This is Cultivate a Good Life, Episode 13, Adventures in Parenting the Differently Abled Child. Welcome back, friends. I am Becky Higgins, and with me is my friend and my co-host, Becky Proudfit. Bonjour. 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 That's like a Beauty and the Beast song. Should you sing it? Oh, bonjour. 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 That was a good one. Thank you. I actually know that one. Good morning in French. (laughs) Um, Is it good morning or just hello? I Googled good good morning in French and that's what came up. So It probably means a lot of different things. Well, we are both really happy to be here and we're really happy that you've tuned in again. Thank you so much for that. And thanks for your reviews on iTunes, by the way. Every time we feel like we just need a little boost and we check out our iTunes reviews. You guys just don't For let reals. us down. Thank you. Makes me feel good. I know. Seriously. And we will be introducing our guests in just a moment. We're so excited about that. But first, a word from, not a word from them, huh? It's our no. words. It's about, our words. About <laughs> this week's sponsor. I am the hugest fan of this week's sponsor, Bath Pack. I fell in love with them when I purchased their silver detangling brush to use on my kiddos. It painlessly detangles the hair and provides a stress-free brushing experience so you will not have any tears, which is a plus. I bought these awesome brushes to use on my girls, but they have quickly become the favorite for every member of our family. In fact, I keep one a secret in my bathroom, so I know there's always one there for me to use. Bath Pack also has a round brush that will seriously change your life. And they provide these salon quality tools for a fraction of the price so you can afford to use the best on your whole family. Their four pack of styling clips are some of the only ones I have ever found that work for my Caroline's fine hair and also for my Lucy's thick mane of gorgeous locks. Finally, the bath pack hair halos. They're called halos because I swear they come straight from heaven. I have never been a fan of my hair up in a ponytail until I found these gems. They hold your hair in place without leaving any kinks, even after being up all day, even after a workout. They don't hurt. Are you tender-headed? No problem. Putting your hair up shouldn't be strained by what's holding it in place. And these angels, they won't strain. Like Becky said, Bath Pack has found a way to create these salon quality hair tools for a fraction of the price. So just like her, you can buy multiple and not fight with your kids over who gets the good brush. You can find all their awesome hair solutions at bathpack.us. And because they are so excited for you to try all this awesomeness, they are offering you, our listener, a discount. Enter Becky10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. I am so, 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 so excited about what we're going to talk about today. We have had so many emails come in, and as I have shared with you guys that I have a 12-year-old sweet little angel boy who I just adore who has severe ADHD, and I've had a lot of requests come in that we do an episode talking about that, and so as I was kind of writing this content and figuring out where this episode should go... Mm -hmm. I realized I needed someone else to talk about this with me because one of the things that has really helped me and my family and our journey with helping Jameson to reach his fullest potential has been that I have a friend who kind of is going through this journey with me. So I have invited her here today. Um, her name is Heidi. This this is not going to be a typical guest situation where normally when a guest would come on, they would have a lot of um, – uh, 
their hand in the content. And Heidi, we really wanted to do this as kind of a discussion. Yeah. As kind of a higher level. And I have a sneaking suspicion that this topic matter will turn into several episodes. But we'll see, right? I had I to mean, invite Heidi to come today to engage in this discussion with us because she has been so crucial to our journey. So welcome, Heidi. Thank you. Hey. Thanks for coming. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. And I have to say, Becky, that um, I wasn't sure when you first asked me to do this what <laughs> yeah. we were going to talk about and why you wanted me to be part of it. But as I've thought about it and as we've written some of this content, I've realized that um, it was really you that has gotten me through a lot of this. Aww. And um, I couldn't have done any of it probably without you. We're a team. We're a team. We're a team together. Well, and you have each other to really bounce off ideas, mm-hmm. bounce ideas off each other is what I meant to say. Um, and, and you get it, like you get it in a different way than I, as a, as another friend who I don't totally get it the way that you guys do for each right. other. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is probably why Becky, you've gotten emails and messages about this topic because there are so many people who mm-hmm. do relate to this and they are craving for maybe not necessarily more information, although that's helpful too, but even just support the feeling of support, right. knowing that they're not alone and that there are others who are going through something really similar. So mm-hmm. I, I just think this is, I agree that it's a very important topic to cover. Mm-hmm. And our hope is that you feel either educated or inspired or enlightened or not alone, not alone, not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Especially sure. not alone. Well, and this is a great time to do the medical disclaimer that I'm going to say. Yes, please. Um, we're not going to be talking specifically today about ADHD or any specific um, disability. We're going to be talking more broad, okay? Okay. But what I need you to know is, first and foremost, we are not medical professionals. I'm going to be sharing with you my experience. Heidi will be sharing with you her experience. But if you think there's something um, not uh, typical going on with your child, the best thing to do always is to is to seek medical attention or consult with a doctor. So. Don't not do that because we're yeah. giving you our information. We are talking mom to mom. Mama that to is what this mama. Show is. And how, yes. how easy was it to name this episode, guys? <laughs> you guys, it was hard. It's very challenging. We went back and forth because I don't want to... That's kind of a long one, right? ...pigeonhole it to yeah. just ADHD, but I also don't want to like offend and there's a lot of PC terms, so sure. be gracious with us as we try to talk through this subject matter. I wish it didn't have to be so... Um, sensitive. I can tell you when Heidi and I are talking, we don't feel that way, but oh yeah, now that we're talking in a broader, well, we've got a broader little bit section. more of a worldwide listenership, and um, and we do want to be sensitive and careful about that. But holy cow, how much time do we need to put into being perfectly politically correct about every single thing that comes out of our mouths anymore? Right, and life in general. Anyway, I feel it. you guys nailed it though. I mean, it's it's lengthy, but we really do want lengthy? to talk about. You're kidding. I mean, never heard such. It's a thing. wordy. It's <laughs> actually not as long as some other titles. Just, we you, went through and surprised. I counted them. You're going to be surprised. <laughs> All right, so I want to start off, and I think um, the first thing we want to talk about. I want Heidi to share with you an experience she had going out to dinner, and I kind of think it illustrates kind of the first step in the journey. So Heidi, tell us about that dinner. So. Um, this was a series of, of events, but um, they kind of culminated with one night we'd gone out with some good friends of ours. And this was, this was when we just had two kids. Mm-hmm. Now we have four. Um, and Ryan and I came home so frustrated <laughs> with our children. They were little at the time, uh, maybe, maybe two and three, two and four maybe. Um, and 
we were so frustrated with how busy they were and how many things they needed to do and how they were standing up and walking around. Because how dare a two and four-year-old do that in a public place? Well, like so not age-appropriate. I know. Right? How dare they? <laughs> but our friend's kid always oh, the friend's kids. sat there silently and... About the same age? Colored. The same age. Oh. And I remember saying to Ryan, you know, we've got to change our expectation for these kids. Like we have an expectation of them that they are... they're." that they need to be someone who they aren't and we're going to, we're going to ruin them. We're going to, we're going to hurt their feelings. We're going to hurt their little spirits. Well, and I think the interesting thing, why I love this story is it illustrates a point that nobody's kids look, sound, act the same. So what might be typical for my child is not typical for your child. What might be developmentally appropriate for my child is not developmentally appropriate for your child. And the comparison makes you feel like a piece of crap. Yeah. I have had so many moments where, you know, that why I feels like it's always my kid mm-hmm. and it's usually not always my kid, but do you, you get the, into the headspace of like, why aren't my kids behaving like X, Y, or Z? Right. Yeah. And the interesting thing to note about this too, is the two kids Heidi is talking about are not the child in her family. That is funny. That has challenges. They are These not. Were they are two totally neurotypical children. <laughs> so neurotypical, but something about that experience that you had made you both start thinking about how we need to change our expectations of them. And this is before you even... This was years before we even but had... But just the misery wow. more of, of comparing. So the first thing we want to say is, if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking there may be something not quite right with your kids, something's going on um, that you're just not sure about, the first question that Heidi and I think you should ask yourself is... Is this something that's really happening or are you comparing it to, you know, the children who don't speak of your next door neighbor or something? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these behaviors that are warning signs also are very developmentally appropriate. For a two and a Mm four-year-old to be standing on chairs at a restaurant, it's completely developmentally appropriate. And sometimes we look at these symptoms and we are like, is this something bigger going on? And so the first kind of tip Heidi and I have is look at the behavior, kind of check your expectations and if you have a question, go to the doctor. Yeah. Go to the doctor. Nothing can hurt from going to the doctor, right? But like right. I said, the behaviors that she's talking about were totally from neurotypical children, just being a two and a four-year-old. For sure. Yep. I've had experiences even with my, with my kids that I, I tap back into my memory of being in school, being in college. And taking child development classes because that was mm-hmm. in line with my major. Yeah. And I felt so thankful because I'm like, oh, no, no, this is totally mm-hmm. developmentally appropriate. And that just that assurance straight away was like the thing that stopped me from being upset or being right. confused. And so we obviously we're not all going to have a degree in child development per mm-hmm. se. And even if you're not reading books or listening to shows or really educating yourself on what is developmentally appropriate Mm -hmm. like you're saying becky even just asking the doctor Mm -hmm. it doesn't i mean you don't even have to probably make a full 20 minute appointment to just call and just say i just want to make sure x y and z is happening Mm -hmm. that's probably appropriate for my child's age but if not maybe let's take a look well i I think that's and another thing that's been helpful too is the conversations i've been able to have with heidi and friends like her to be like oh my gosh, I was at that restaurant and my kids were on the chairs and then Mm -hmm. someone chiming in and being like, oh dude, mine too. Mm -hmm. Been there, girl. (laughs) Yeah. So kind of the first thing is don't base whether or not your child is typical or neurotypical on the experience of anyone else's kids. This is about you. This is about your kids. So don't base your experience and and what you're gauging as quote unquote normal off of other people because it just, it doesn't work and it's not helpful. The other thing, so 
oftentimes I think people go and have concerns and it's not. It's not anything that you need to be concerned about, but sometimes it is. With Jameson, um, we got to a certain point. He was about six, I think, when he officially was diagnosed, but I had visited with the doctor several times about some concerns I had with delayed milestones and nothing major, but just little kind of red flags we were watching along the way. And when he was about six, he was diagnosed and... um, that was when it got really hard because I, Hmm. for some reason in my mind, I think I had always thought about any kind of, um, just difference in my child. That was a really scary thing to me to have a diagnosis attached to my child that I felt they would have forever was really, it was a really, really difficult thing. And one thing that I learned through that was recognizing that if it was hard for me to think about how much harder it would be for him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because as a child, it's hard to articulate your feelings. Mm-hmm. They don't know. The only thing sure. they know is that they're not being successful and they're feeling from your vibes of like, oh no, what's going on? Yeah. Or fear yes. or frustration or concern. Sure. They feel that. I find that my, I find that my youngest, Max, who is, who's the child that I have this experience with, um, who we. And were, would you share with them what is Max's diagnosis? No, she will not share Oh, that. you don't have to. <laughs> As her legal counsel, I would advise her to not. <laughs> Max's diagnosis is is new for us, and it's still a it's really... It's been a journey for you. It's yeah. been a real journey. ADHD is one of his diagnoses, mm-hmm. but um, it's not something I, I really talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes I'm protecting him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think sometimes really I'm protecting me. Mm-hmm. I have found that... Um, there are days I can talk about it mm-hmm. and days I just yeah. can't. Yeah. Um, and that's completely really okay. your right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Um, the one thing we want to talk about right now, and it goes beautifully off of what Heidi was just saying, is that this is hard. Like, it is a really hard thing. It is a scary thing. It can be a, There can be a lot of fear associated depending on, you know, what's going on. But I need every one of you to hear me say this. And this has been something Heidi has taught me that has like changed everything because I, you know, Jameson's 12 now and he, there have been so many challenges and continue to be so many challenges, um, associated with his life, with learning, with friendships, with everything. And, um, I was talking to Heidi about this yesterday and I still, he's 12 I am super far along in this journey. I have a lot of information. I have had a lot of counseling and therapy. And I still, on a weekly basis, think back, like, did I do something? Like, did I cause this? Mm-hmm. Did I? And and I know in my head I didn't, but I still to this day question, did I do something? Like, like is Did this... I take my vitamins? Right. Did, mm-hmm. did I, like... That time I rolled over funny, oh, did I right. crush something? Did I crush, mm-hmm. like... And this is, I have to, you all have to hear me. And this applies to whatever is going on with your kids. What is going on? This is not your fault. There is nothing that you have done to cause this, to create this. This is not a parenting problem. This is not a structure problem. This, like, this is not your fault. And this is not necessarily a negative thing. Mm -hmm. Jameson is my child that absolutely has taken the most amount of work and time and money Mm -hmm. 
a lot of money, <laughs> yep. a lot of therapy, a lot of things. Worry, anxiety. Exactly. All the I'm things. I'm filling in the blanks just in case. I'm, I Absolutely. don't want to assume, but no. I, oh, I all the of, things. Yeah, everything. But he is the most empathetic, loving, um, wonderful blessing to our family. And I know Heidi's Max. That kid, I mean, is a ball of joyous sunshine and love. Like, he is the coolest If I just say his ever. name around my son, who's 16, <laughs> Porter lights up just thinking about Max. I mean, he just, he, yeah, I, you're right. You're right. And that is probably anyone who's listening who has a similar situation. Right. Where they have a child that is consuming all of their thoughts, worry, energy, money, because of something that is, they're having to work through. Um, they also feel probably what you're expressing too, mm-hmm. that these children are light and they are joy and they bring something to your family that it just wouldn't be the same if you didn't have them. And, and talk about the lessons we've learned. Right. Yeah. That's what I want to say is that I've said this a hundred times and I would say it a hundred times more. I have learned more from being Max's mom than any other experience in my life. And there've been other experiences that are real learning, growing <laughs> growth opportunities. Right. But being Max's mom has taught me um, more compassion and love and the ability to see everyone around me with new eyes, Mm -hmm. the ability to recognize that we all have something going on that we may not be able to see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Max looks like he would be totally a typical child. He doesn't have a sign. He doesn't get to wear a sign, Mm -hmm. you know, like a physical manifestation of any handicap. Mm -hmm. So I know that when people interact with him, they have an expectation of him that really is not appropriate. Right. Mm. Um, And quite frankly, as his mother, I also sometimes have that expectation. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes I ask myself if he wore a physical sign, if I could see Mm -hmm. that there was a genetic disorder or something, would I handle this differently? Hmm. Would I, would I ask yourself feel differently that we're dealing with this situation again? You know, would I be less frustrated? Right. Um, and you won't know the answer to that question. I'll never know the answer to that question, but it's an interesting thing to ponder because Mm -hmm. there isn't a physical manifestation mm-hmm. of anything that would be different but it's given me the ability to see in other people mm-hmm. or to just mm-hmm. kind of I, I where I didn't see I didn't right have those same lenses before you know I didn't have yeah. that same ability to look at any person and just assume that they're going through something hard mm-hmm. and treat them as if they are which maybe they aren't but maybe their family is and mm-hmm. maybe I think that it allows me when I think that way to show up better mm-hmm. Yeah, more kind, more that. compassionate. More I mean, loving. look at that yeah. lesson. That is, if if only all of us could be blessed with a right. Jameson or a Max, mm-hmm. honestly, the world would be seriously a much better place. And my children, my mm-hmm. children are different people than they would have been. They have a real love for their brother. Mm-hmm. And I think that's manifested in the way their friends treat mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. I know it is because mm-hmm. my they see my kids loving Max so much. You know, and including him and enjoying his company. Yeah. Um, that their friends, they, they, they mod- that's behavior that they're modeling for all their friends, and it makes their friends love him too. I yeah. agree with that. For and sure. it spreads. It does. It spreads, and it's contagious. And so the world does become a better place because of these special it spirits. It totally does. Yeah, I love that. 
I have a question. And Becky, you really can't answer this one, but uh, if this is more for Heidi. So Heidi, the time in my, I've had a lot of times, um, like you're, like you're talking about Jameson too, obviously his ADHD is kind of a little bit atypical and very severe and has some sensory components to it. But there have been a lot of times in, um, being his mom where a, I have felt it was really hard for me to let go of preconceived notions about what my kids should look like, what our family should look like. It's been hard for me to let go of like an ideal that I created in my mind, number one. And number two, I have totally felt, which I'm sure a ton of listeners have too, I have totally felt the judgment from other parents about like, like you said, he looks totally normal. So if you would just be more structured, if you would just X, Y, or Z, then this behavior wouldn't be present. Uh, And that's been something I've really had to like mentally work through and um become a more more compassionate for people who do not understand but um how have you been able to work through um judgments from other parents or the perception yeah of judgment mm-hmm. yeah from correct other people. right yeah. i'm just going to throw that out there because associated with this specific topic or not mm-hmm. i think we have all felt judged agreed and and i think perception is a huge huge part of that that's neither here nor there but i wanted to mention it because it is a thing that we totally all struggle with because and i will tell you nature. of any of my children mm-hmm. i am the most sensitive about jameson mm-hmm. like if someone is Naturally. mean to another one of my kids i'll be like you have the tools to work through this if someone's mean to jameson yeah and your house gets egged that night it will be me so <laughs> just, uh-huh. but, you the, know what i mean the, the mama comes. bear comes out in like Full mama bear. Totally makes sense. It's true. So, how would you respond to that then, Heidi? So, um, I definitely went through a period of time where I felt like other people were judging me. Sure. Mm -hmm. And you read about it. You read about other parents judging you. And um, I don't really know what shifted. I think my my focus had to shift. I couldn't. I didn't have the emotional space to worry about Mm -hmm. what other people were thinking. Yeah. Because I had bigger fish to fry. Sure. Um. And I just stopped at, at a certain point, I just stopped worrying about it. And yeah. I started, it was, it was a process, but I, I started, it was like, I replaced it. I was able to replace that with this love for other people mm-hmm. that didn't exist before in that same way before I had a max, just right. because I was able to see everyone with more differently, with eyes. more compassion. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm thinking about times that we were at the park and my kid, he just craves certain sensory feedback. And right. one of those things is climbing to tall, 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 tall spaces. Things. And he's really good. Actually, all four of my children, including my, and my husband as well, <laughs> which was really yes. shocking to me, um, really good at climbing large poles. Mm-hmm. And also the roof of your house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's happened a time or two. Yeah. I do. I remem- I'm remembering that. Yes, yeah. I'm yeah. remembering that as well. Um, anyway, so he would be like at the park and just be climbing up to the tallest part of anything that he could possibly. Well, the park by our house has a cover over the top, like a big shade cover. And yeah. then there's these four poles that hold it sure. up. Mm-hmm. And they're, I don't know, I don't know, 12 inches around or mm-hmm. eight inches around. And then they're 40 feet in the air. I don't know what 40 feet looks like. Maybe, maybe they're <laughs> 20. I don't know. It's maybe high. they're 20. Picture like a story of a building. Yeah. It's about 10 yeah. feet. It's like yeah. the this roof is... of my house. It's probably that tall. So no, it's probably 20 feet. feet. Yeah. yeah. So the kids just take off their shoes and they just scurry up these poles. 
and I used to see the other parents at the park like like looking in horror yeah and um maybe they're not there anymore I don't know. They're not there. Those parents are not there in my yeah. mind anymore. You know, it's things like that. Or like when my kid would but have a meltdown. Them, by the way? You well, they're I mean? probably thinking, I don't want my kid to do that. Like, right. I, if I saw that, I would be, I would be instinct- anxious a little bit. A little anxious, but instinctually. Mm-hmm. Is that the right instinctively. word? Instinctively. Instinctively. Thank you, Heidi. You're so intelligent. Very instinctively um, concerned. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, are they okay? I, I really don't think I would feel the judgment of another parent and why aren't they what I would just be like oh my gosh I'm so nervous right now watching what might is, mm-hmm. is gonna unfold and so anyway anyway yeah. so you would feel though that people would be that's one on. example I'm you know it yeah. was that it was it was the temper tantrums sure. that was it for me is when Jameson was in certain sensory situations a lot of them happening in school mm-hmm. um and I would volunteer a lot in school to kind of keep a close eye and be able to collect as much data as I possibly could. Absolutely. But um, he would have, uh, for instance, at, there was a time when if someone was humming, like he just could not work past that. Mm. And sometimes that like frustration before he learned, you know, was older and was taught proper coping, he would stop, you know, he would kind of lash out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the other kid was probably like, what in the What, what? in the world was yeah. that? And so one thing that was really important to me was to – like you were saying, have compassion for the other parent. Like I can't expect another parent to understand what's going on with my kid, especially because he does look, you know, just like everybody else. Um, I can't have that expectation that another parent is going to understand what I understand being his mom. Sure. Right. Um, One of the things in our early journey I want to quickly talk about is, and Heidi and I have talked a lot about this. When I first started having um, conversations with my doctor about things that I was noticing, um, it was a lot of like, let's wait and see. And and as we kind of progressed, um, I pushed a little bit harder and did some additional things to kind of figure out just what was going on. Um, because I think in my mind, you guys, and I kind of hate to admit this, I think in my like analytical mind, I thought, okay, if I have a concrete diagnosis, then I have like steps I can take. I mm-hmm. have step A, B, and C, which yeah. will equal success for my child. And I have had to let go of that because Jameson's ADHD looks completely different than any other ADHD I've ever seen. Um, and so I have had to really let go of finding a diagnosis that is specific to my child um, that would kind of give me all the answers to mm. solve the problem. And that was really hard for me. And I know Heidi has a different experience with this. Yeah. In fact, um, I remember you telling me all the time, just get used to the, just get used to the idea that you're never going to have a concrete diagnosis. Right. And I, I really struggled getting used to that idea. And I remember talking to my therapist about it one time and she said the same thing, you know, you may never have a concrete diagnosis. And I said, then how do you treat? How do you manage? Mm -hmm. How do you help? Because Max isn't just his, his issues are not limited to, um, you know, speech delays and, mm-hmm. and attention issues. Right. He's got severe learning, like mm-hmm. severe learning disabilities as well. Yeah. And I felt like we were floundering trying to figure out how I just, I just wanted to know how he learned mm-hmm. so that we could teach him in his way. Yeah. Um, Which is just an important point to even um, talk about there is figuring out your goal there wasn't to fix your kid because there's nothing wrong with Max. The goal Mm-mm. was is just to figure out how they learn best and then make sure that he is receiving an education 
that would align with that. Mm-hmm. Right. That could help him feel successful. Mm-hmm. And, um, we went a long time. I mean, he was, he was eight before he was diagnosed and he'd been diagnosed with ADHD, but I knew there was something more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, I had done a lot of research and actually identified with, um, with dyslexia. I thought he was dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple pieces of dyslexia that didn't totally sit right with me, but they were minor. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone's going to fit a hundred percent of the bill, you right. know, the, the symptoms. So, um, honestly, by the time we sought out a private evaluation with him, he'd already had three evaluations through the school that had all given us similar information information that I didn't understand right. in the way a doctor explains it. Um, so I'm going to give you a tip right now. And I kind of actually didn't even write this into um, planning. And this is completely my opinion, so take it or leave it. Um, when you think that there's something going on and the school will do an evaluation, um, those evaluations are great depending on where you live, your school district, a lot of factors. Um, really listen to your mom gut, though, because what I did at this point is – I went and took him to a developmental pediatrician, and unfortunately, most insurances won't cover it, but I, we paid for him to have a full evaluation done. Outside of for us, we did that too. I felt like that was the best way to gather the data I needed to help my son. And not everyone's in that financial position to do that. Um, there are some that are there, covered by insurance. And there are some that are covered by insurance. I was going to say that our insurance, unfortunately, was not one. But that is something um, just to kind of think about is that beyond the school, if you're not getting the answers um, that you're feeling like in your mom gut are correct or are complete, doing that further evaluation was really helpful for us. Well, let me clarify that the, the evaluations through the school were because the school saw a need. Um, Max actually had been in the system since he was uh, three because he wasn't speaking at three. Mm-hmm. And so we started doing speech. Um And it's a disclaimer, we didn't do speech earlier with him because he was my fourth child and my second child also did not speak Mm -hmm. until she was a little bit older and she is a whippersnapper. So I wasn't worried (laughs) when he didn't talk. I was like, well, well, that's what it goes back to is you cannot, you cannot base some of these factors. You totally can't. It's totally a sliding scale. And so sometimes what you need is just to wait and get more, Mm -hmm. get more data. Um, but, but the testing through the school is, was for an IEP. Mm-hmm. So that is what an is individualized education plan. So it is, if there, if there's determined that there is a, you need a medical diagnosis and B, um, a severe gap in the learning in a number of areas, you can then get an IEP, which is on campus accommodations for your child. So in services, um, yeah, in services. So Quickly for Jameson, um, one of his accommodations currently as a 12-year-old is that um, he can bring a laptop to take notes with instead of writing, um, just one of those little accommodations. Mm -hmm. Um, He also can take tests in a quiet room by himself if Mm -hmm. he feels like that's what he needs. So Mm -hmm. it just kind of takes what's going on uh, biologically and medically with your kid and helps them to be successful in a general education learning environment. Right. And, and for Max, um, he doesn't spend a whole lot of time in the general education classroom. Mm-hmm. He spends at least 50% of his day in the special ed classroom getting individualized, um, you know. Learning, really? One, yeah. Like lesson plans. Like small group lessons because mm-hmm. he's – the gap, the educational gap between he and his peers is, is pretty wide. So he can't 
for him sitting in a classroom learning multiplication, that's like me sitting in a lecture on um, neuroscience that's in Chinese. So as we're saying (laughs) special ed classroom, I can, I can hear some like mom panicking in her, in her house somewhere listening to this. Um, You would be shocked if you knew at your child's current school, how many children have IEP accommodations in place. Yeah. It is vastly more than what you think it would be. And um, Jameson has never had to, all of his accommodations have been in a gen ed classroom. But what I'm saying is the, the, the special ed classroom and the special ed department is nothing to be afraid of. It's not. These are people who are amazing at what they do. And really, it's a resource room to help your child. But don't let that kind of verbiage scare you or send you into a panic because it really is the biggest blessing for your child. Right. And like the reason I brought up Max's accommodations is because they're, they're vastly different than Jameson's. Mm-hmm. And so That's an IEP. Individualized, right? Right. Yeah. An individualized education plan means a lot of things. It can mean anything, you know, from I can bring a laptop to I spend half or more of my day mm-hmm. in, in a small group. Yeah. Um, to a you wiggle know, seat. Right. To, to a wiggle a seat or a, exactly a, wig, a weighted blanket. Just, I mean, sky's right. the limit. Anyway, so when you have this testing through the school, the um, they they don't they don't diagnose. They're not allowed to it's diagnose. It's not a medical diagnosis, it's not a med- right? There, and there's no they don't ever suggest a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. They just say, you know, this is the re- these are the results of of the testing, and these are the accommodations that we think will help your child. Yes. So I, like I said, we'd had three batteries of tests done by the time he was eight. And, um, you know, we knew there were delays, but I didn't know what. So I was searching and, and at a certain point, like I said, I had, I had identified with dyslexia. I was certain. And all I needed was the check mark on the paper. Mm -hmm. I needed it from a doctor Mm -hmm. saying we were in a transitionary period. My kids were moving schools and I wanted moving over to the new school. I wanted that on the paper. And so we sought out this medical diagnosis and it was totally different than I had anticipated, which I... I'm usually not that wrong about things. Mm-hmm. Um, and back to your initial point, Becky, about what are what we what are our thoughts about what our family should be or our children's lives look like. That was a day where that changed mm-hmm. for me. Like I, I realized that I had to change what my perspective, my idea of success Mm -hmm. for him was, Mm -hmm. and it took, it's taking a lot of processing. I think it's something I may process Mm -hmm. my whole life. Yeah. Um, but it didn't change Max. Mm -hmm. Max is still Max. And that was one of the things the doctor said to us when she diagnosed was she said, you know, this is what the diagnosis looks like. Mm-hmm. These are some things that the diagnosis is kind of a little roadmap of this diagnosis. However, you have to sh- let Max show us what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. And for me, as hard as it was to hear that um, and to wrap my mind around what that meant for, for us and for him and for mm-hmm. his future, it was the best thing. Right. Because it did give us a roadmap. It allowed me, when I started reading about that diagnosis, which I had never ever heard of. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I've never met another person right. with that same diagnosis who doesn't have some other mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, like a genetic disorder or some sort of brain trauma that, that went right. along with it. Um, it's uh, when I started reading and, and researching and learning about that diagnosis, I thought it's not wrong, yeah. but it allowed me to let go of some of the stress that I was feeling mm-hmm. about why is he not learning to read mm, like right. his peers or why, you know, mm-hmm. we were working so hard to keep up with his typical peers mm-hmm. and that was unex- that was, it was impossible. Well, for and him. I imagine it, ca- I, I mean, I know this because I know you, you worked so hard. I mean, she, guys, she is like the best ever with flashcards and making the reading accessible and so good. But, um, it really probably was just such a relief. And that was the other thing. As much as like my heart was trying to process right. what this meant, yeah. which is not a death sentence. You oh, know, like I had sure to realize no. like yeah. this is different than what I thought, mm-hmm. but I get him. Mm, he's yeah. still mine. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. if he's a Rhodes Scholar. Right. It actually doesn't matter at all. Right. Right. You know, and it it really allowed me getting a proper diagnosis for him Mm -hmm. allowed me to make more realistic expectations for him Mm -hmm. and to focus on what's really important. Yeah. That's amazing. And that really has been such a gift. And I was thinking this morning as I was driving here, the difference between now and one year ago, because it was just yeah. about one year ago, maybe mm-hmm. a year and a week yeah. that we got this, that we got that news and, um, just how the different place I'm in now, how much wow. less stressful my life is. We've made some changes mm-hmm. that have really allowed us to feel less stressful. Um, well, and I'm sure Max wow. feels that too. He feels totally less he? stressed out because when you have a child and you have these expectations, um, that really are unrealistic that are unrealistic or even if you can get there the work involved I mean is just so Mm -hmm. hard that is so stressful for a kid because imagine in life if you were given a job and nine times out of ten you failed Mm. and yeah you succeeded one out of ten but nine times out of ten you failed and that failure really can affect your family life it can affect your marriage it can affect the, the child's self-esteem. Feeling a failure. Yeah. Failure can be uh, defined totally. as so many different things, but I know what you're saying. And we're going to talk about yeah. failure there in a little bit. One thing I love that you said, though, Heidi, was when you got the diagnosis, and I know I have done this a ton with Jameson, and this was kind of a tip Heidi and I came up with, is get a PhD in your child. I always joke that, like, I do have a PhD. I have a PhD in Jameson because I have spent so yeah. much time researching therapy, doing all these things with him. And I know Heidi Heidi does as well with Max. and Thousands of hours. But get a PhD in your child. Mm-hmm. You have got to get past that fear component. Let yourself feel it. Get past it. You have got to collect data at home, mm-hmm. at school, anything you can read about. Um, collect the data. Don't be afraid of the information. Because the information really, really helps you. Like you said, when Max had the diagnosis, then you took that and you researched it and you realized, okay, that does align. That is exactly what mm-hmm. we're dealing with. All the parts aligned. And then I'm sure it led you to blogs and probably mm-hmm. mom groups. And mine did not. Used it. See, mine did. <laughs> mine did mine led me to a bunch of, a bunch of resources that um, I'm able to use. So yours did not lead you to any? Mine has not. There are some articles. 
And I... It's because Max is one in a million. He kind of is. Yes. Oh, love that boy. Um, And I am really grateful for those articles because, because it's very challenging for me to um, articulate some of Max's behaviors. Mm-hmm. He's my fourth child. Right. So it's not like he's the only kid that I'm focusing on. Right. You know, we got a lot going on at home. A lot going on with the four little monkeys at home. Well, and, and the husband, you know, and, the husband. and just the family and dynamic. The and the dog. And There's the a dog. Neighbors. Then we threw a dog into the mix because we, we wanted a little more going on. Yes. Um, but... People would ask me, well, what's he, you know, doctors would say, well, what's he good at? Or what does he Mm -hmm. like? Or what is he? And I'd be like, I don't know. Right. And um, so it's been really helpful. Just these these few articles Mm -hmm. that I found Mm -hmm. um, have been really helpful because I have to have a PhD in Max because I have to advocate for him. Because you are his greatest advocate. Nobody knows your child like you do. Nobody loves your child like you do. And nobody can advocate better for your child than you can. But I've had to really research and learn and put things into words. And actually, Becky, you've been really helpful in 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 putting some of those things to words for me. Well, back at you, baby cakes, because you, same thing. We bounce ideas off of each other and are able to talk through it. Um, another thing Heidi and I, as we were having our conversation um, leading up to this, that we wanted to touch upon too was... Don't make excuses for your child. Now, before you think I'm being a big fat jerk, I'm not. What I mean by that is, is like Heidi was talking about at the park, you don't have to make excuses for your child's behavior. And I'll add on to that or apologize for your child's behavior when it pertains um, to a challenge that they're having. Heidi didn't need to apologize that her son or kids or husband, whoever, (laughs) was climbing poles at the park. You don't have to apologize. And I think it is very important in the verbiage that you use, your kids hear you. And I think there may have been times where I did apologize for Jameson that he heard that and internalized it that there was something wrong with him. And there's nothing wrong with him. Do you know what I mean? And so not making excuses for your child, helping them to know through the things you say, through the way that you talk about them, that they are good that they're worthy, and that they're enough. Because you know what? Challenges are challenges, but every single person on this earth is absolutely enough, is exactly who they're supposed to be. And that especially pertains, I think, when you're dealing with kids who are differently abled. I like what um, my best friend Jody Moore says. Actually, I am not best friends with Jody Moore. She's never even heard of me. In my head, we're best friends. (laughs) Jody Moore and I in my head are best friends for sure. But she has been really, um, she's been another person that's really helped me change my thinking and in turn changed my abilities and my my outlook on everything. And if you don't know who she is, by the way, you can find her podcast available on mm-hmm. iTunes and, and, and other places as well. It's called um, better, better Than Happy. Better Than Happy. She is worth listening to. We have mentioned her before. So I she really her. is our best friend. Yep. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, between her and, and my actual, actual therapist, therapist. <laughs> and and my village of really amazing people, um, I'm trudging forward every day. You know, right. I'm moving onward mm-hmm. and upward. Um, what did she teach you? I was just, 
I just lost that train I, that of thought. That was my fault. No. I just was like, wait, I don't me? think I, I can assume Honestly, that everybody with, knows with who she Jody's is. Honestly, with Jodi, though, like, what hasn't she taught you? Her podcast oh. has so many episodes. Heidi and I are constantly sending each other links um, to specific to episodes. episodes. I remember yeah. what, what it is that I was going to say. She says that every our worth is the same whether we lay on the couch and watch Netflix all day mm-hmm. or whether we're super productive and mm-hmm. run a corporation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I I don't know that I used to realize that. Um, I yeah. when I was when I was young, when I was 10, my my younger brother drowned and he lived for 2 years but he was severely handicapped. Mm-hmm. And when he passed away, I remember my mom and he just passed away in his sleep one night. Mm-hmm. I remember her telling me, I don't know how I'll live my life without him. And I, I was 12, you know, it was hard for me to process and understand that. But I remember thinking that I remember being a little puzzled, not puzzled by that, but just, he, he was always in pain and he was, you know, he had to have 24 hour nursing care. There were so many medical issues associated with what had happened to him. And, um, not that that's any comparison to Max. It's totally different. But the value that my Max brings mm-hmm. into our family and into our lives, the lessons that I learned from being a mom and from being Max's mom, mm-hmm. I understand what my mom was talking about now. Yeah. Spencer taught my parents more than anything else, mm-hmm. than anyone else, you know? And, and his offerings probably did not look or sound or whatever typical. Right. Well, and they did his, he couldn't offer running a corporation, right. you know, yeah. but he offered something actually better, mm-hmm. you know, perspective and compassion and the things that actually matter, the things that really right. matter. Yeah. And, and so when Jody Moore talks about, even if you lay on the ground and you lay on the couch and watch Netflix all day, I think I understand that better now, you Your know, our worth and same. our value is yeah. so, is so great mm-hmm. no matter who we are. We bring value. And that's totally. automatic within every single one mm-hmm. of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is not something that has to be earned. Right. Right. For sure. There's one more thing I want to talk about, guys. And Do this it. is kind of a hard one for me. So one last tip that Heidi and I want to give is we wanted to talk about the times when you're a parent to a child. Really, this applies to parenting any child particularly when you're parenting the differently abled child is giving yourself a break and forgiving yourself when you fail, because I'm here to tell you, you're going to fail. There are going to be times you're figuring this out. This is uncharted territory. And like we were talking about before, completely individual. There rarely is there times with anything with a child that has something going on, um, that it's like a one size fits all kind of a kind of a solution. It just doesn't work that way. And giving yourself a break when you fail is crucial. Giving your kids a break when they fail is crucial. I actually want to offer something. I want to make this kind of a twofer. I love it. I it's two tips something. in one. Oh, two tips in maybe a three tips in one. Do I see four? I was, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was holding back from interrupting you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I. Well, I interrupted her. You, I interrupted her, which you were not interrupting. It's Whatever, fine. I can't even speak. <laughs> um, I want to offer to you that when I felt like a failure, when I perceived it as failing, mm-hmm. that I felt pretty cruddy. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That does not feel good. I have had to change the way I look at those quote unquote failures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not failures. They're pieces to a puzzle. Oh, we've got a quote for you there. Mm-hmm. They're... Agree. We've got a good one. We may see them. It's data collection. It's data collection. It's information. Mm -hmm. And so um, here's here's an example. Um, I have had some ongoing. So here's one of the tips I want to I want to actually bring up. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk with your, know your child, and then proactively go talk with your child's teachers or caregivers Mm -hmm. or um, whoever's interacting parents. Playdates, yeah. family, family members. That's been a big one for us. Aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas. Not has just been a big formal one for us. people who are in anyone who is a, in in having an interaction with your child on a regular basis. on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Sure, honestly, yeah. So especially at the school, I used to wonder why in the world if my kid has an IEP, does everyone not know? Right, and it's it's a FERPA thing. They can't. It's it's a What's violation. FERPA? So FERPA, it's like HIPAA. Oh, so it's okay. like a, it's like a privacy act, mm-hmm. but it's in the schools. Mm-hmm. Right, and so so what you're saying essentially is is they may not have access legally to the information all the time that you want them to have. They don't have access to really hardly any of the information. So here's yeah. what happens with an individual individualized education plan or IEP. Um. You meet with your with this with the teacher and the special ed team, and those goals and and things are discussed. But outside of the general education teacher and the special education teachers, mm-hmm. the IEP is written up, mm-hmm. and it's sometimes really lengthy mm-hmm. with really small writing. And then they hand it to the art teacher and the PE teacher and the music teacher. The music teacher. Mm-hmm. The lunch aides don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. The office staff. The office staff. They don't know anything about it. So then you're sending your child, who in my case looks typical, um, into a situation where nobody really knows who he is, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I have learned that um, last year we moved to a new school and I was, the diagnosis was really new at the time and I literally just handed Max to the teacher Mm -hmm. and she was really confused. Right, and then I let them in. I, it took me a couple of weeks to even tell them that we yeah. had a new diagnosis, and this is what it was. And mm-hmm. and the special ed teacher said, "Oh my gosh, yes! Mm-hmm. Like that makes so much sense." Uh, yeah. So this year, because it's a it's a relatively new school, we don't know everyone. We haven't been yeah. there for years. Um, I went in and I sat down with the teacher after meet the teacher the day before school, right. just he and I. And I, I brought a, I had made a list, mm-hmm. and I said, the, this is Max's diagnosis. This is what it means. Right. These are some things you're going to see. And if How you helpful s- for the teacher. Well, sure. and you know what? He, he shed a tear with me. Mm-hmm. A man, like he's That's an angel. Like Becky shedding a tear. Oh, you know, like oh, because she a lot. never does. She doesn't cry. <laughs> well, he did. Stone cold fox and a cold hearted snake. Both. <laughs> it's a good combination. It is. But he kept telling me, thank you for coming in and telling me this stuff. And it goes back to you can't place an expectation on an adult. We've told you to get a PhD in your child. But imagine everyone else is like having Jameson and Max 101 or your child 101, right? We've had to do it at church. Too with scout leaders. With, oh yes, with with church leaders, with Sunday school leaders. Yeah, for um, sure. Because when you're nine, right, oftentimes you'll go around the room and you'll read something, right. Mm-hmm. 
And my kid doesn't read like a Mm nine-year-old. And they need to know that. They need to know. Because most people, I find that most adults, most people, most parents, when you give them that information... They are so thankful because yep. they don't understand what mm-hmm. to do. That's how And I they would probably feel. don't feel great. Of like, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you didn't know and Jameson came over to your house, say Becky for a play date mm-hmm. and had a moment of a sensory something and that wasn't information you have, you would feel powerless and probably not great about that. Yeah. Not angry, not no, no, like, no, no. Parent, but I would just feel not, more like that you couldn't help them. Yes, helpless. Right. When I know that there's probably something that I could do. Mm-hmm. Information is power. It and is. the information that you gather as someone who is getting a PhD in a child mm-hmm. should, it is meant to be shared. Mm-hmm. It should be shared. And I think that what you guys are both saying about the people in your children's lives um, or your child's life, they do have to be informed at least enough to understand to have expectations that are realistic. Yeah. Because if we don't, then everyone's going to feel disappointed. And it's all about right. making your child have an environment where they can be mm-hmm. successful. Because totally. you don't they these kids are not defined by a diagnosis or by what is a challenge with them, right? They are defined by the glorious, wonderful, worthy, amazing human beings they are. And you want to help other adults to see your child beyond their diagnosis Mm -hmm. so that they can help you to nurture, help you to build their self-esteem, help them to have good experiences and worthwhile experiences in life. Absolutely. And it's been my experience when I have given that information, people, I've never had one person say, "Uh, that's too hard. I just don't feel like it. Or it is always like Heidi was saying, thank you. I want this kid to have a good experience. I want him to be successful. And that has been such a precious experience hearing other adults or other people express how much they want success for Mm -hmm. my child. Because then you feel that support from them. Your child feels that support for for them. Like how can they not? Right. And, and what, what could feel better? I mean, we know because we're all personal friends to one another that we really do feel like each other's village. Mm -hmm. We do feel like each other's kids, aunt and uncle. Mm -hmm. We do feel like that we've got each other's backs, but without information, how, how are other people expected to feel that way? Right. Or to know how to help. Exactly. Well, exactly. I mean, we're setting them up. We're setting them all up for everybody. We're discouragement every, and frustration. And at what point? Can I just add? Why? I, maybe in the past, I don't know. I don't know if I was protect, thinking I was protecting him or protecting myself because I didn't want to let people in that there was a hard thing going on in you know my life. But we've talked about that so many times, being able to be open and honest in a way that's productive Mm-hmm. to help your kid. Right. Mm-hmm. And so so I feel really strongly, like I have a little list and I, mm-hmm. I just of things that I want people to know about Max to help them have a successful interaction. Awesome. Mm-hmm. The one thing that's hard is that with the specials teachers, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, music, art, and PE, um, they see, they get a copy. So here's what happens with an IEP. They hand it out to these teachers and then the teachers are expected to, the specials teachers, right. they're expected to read. They might have 50 Right. Because they see every kid in the school. Right. They might have a hundred. That's a good point. And um how are and not only that, but my kids' accommodations say nothing about who Max is. Sure. Right. Literally nothing. Because it goes back to he's not defined by these things. The right. He's Max. He's a whole a, person. Yeah. He is yeah. a whole person. Right. So um we've I've never the certain teachers just see it. They just mm-hmm. they have those lenses. Yeah. Um our PE teacher, I think, was totally caught off guard by Max. Mm-hmm. And um, a few months after school started, 
I got a form letter in the mail. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. There were about eight boxes. We've all had and... that moment where you get a letter from your kid's mm-hmm. school, and you're like, oh, yep. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, I think there were two or three that were checked, and basically they were like, these are the things that your kid has been doing right. that are undesirable. Right. And I read the letter. Climbing the poles high, high in the sky. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And uh, not staying on task. Right. Mm-hmm. And I read the letter, and I felt, I felt, like the big red letters, failure, right. were like flashing mm-hmm. for a minute. Oh, right. Man. And then I realized, wait a second, I need to go in and talk with him anyway. Mm-hmm. I have felt like I needed to. Right. What better opportunity now, now that he sees Max, now that he knows who Max is. Mm-hmm. He didn't know who Max is when, was, was at the beginning of, of the year. Yeah, he right. was one of 50 IEPs that he saw right. out of 700 ch- children that right. he sees every week. Mm-hmm. So I made it, I just asked him if I could come in and meet with them. I asked, I thanked him for reaching out, but I had to change what I, I had to change the word failure into opportunity right. in my mind, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I sat down with him and I said, this is, this is what, this is Max. And then I gave him some strategies, you know, right. these are some things that will be helpful mm-hmm. if you're seeing this specific thing. That's right. so awesome. How and is that? I then followed it up with an email mm-hmm. and I, I made a little list. It was short. I kept it very short. I didn't want it to be too wordy yeah. because he's a man and men right. don't like things that are wordy. <laughs> what? They don't. They men don't. don't like things that are wordy. About. And I knew, <laughs> I knew because I'd haven't had enough interaction with him that he was a good person yeah. and a caring human being. And because I have an 11 year old daughter at that same school who adores him. Right. So I knew that he just was frustrated because he was out of ideas and that's when we get frustrated is when we're out of options. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, he reached out to me again a couple weeks ago and asked me if we could chat for a minute. And I, I went in on Friday and talked with him and he said, this is what I'm seeing lately. And I agreed with him. I just said, "Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've seen all of those things lately. And, um, so I, I let him in again. I said, We've got some health issues going on at home with dad that Max can't process. And so this isn't likely to go away anytime soon because this is going to be, be, we're going to be handling this for a while. In addition to that, when you have this problem, besides correcting, redirect him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, it was like his whole countenance changed. Like, oh, there's a tool. Right. Totally. So we kind of finished that, and he went on and said, tried, he wanted to tell me a story about my other daughter and how she was so great. And then he right. said, I just wanted to finish that up because it was a negative conversation. I wanted oh. to finish it with something Leave positive. With yeah. And I looked at him and I said, this wasn't a negative conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that you reached out to me right. and awesome. asked me mm-hmm. to help you with with what was going on instead of just being mad at him. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, assuming thank that you the for point being of reaching willing. out is not your kid's bad. We have to deal with this. Reaching out to say, like you were saying, it's an opportunity. Assume that them reaching out is because they want to do better. They yes. want to mm-hmm. be better. They want more information to help. But as far as failure goes, it's not just getting a letter in the mail or mm-hmm. getting a note from the school. Or it's, can I add losing like, I have totally had moments of frustration where I have like had inappropriate expectations and, you know, yelled at Jameson or, you know, given him like, I remember when he was little giving him a timeout or just implying those strategies that I would use with my, you know, with my other kids. 
for him. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes those have been failure moments where I've been like, oh, why did I, you know, I shouldn't have put but that expectation. that's the thing. It's those moments of quote unquote failure mm-hmm. that cause us, that, that really compel us to action. Mm-hmm. Those are the times when I'm reflecting going, why did that happen? Right. Why did I respond that way? Or what's going on that's causing this behavior? Mm-hmm. And that's when I start noticing, okay, we're going to make some changes. Right. And then so, that's how you grow. And that's how you evolve. Mm-hmm. And that's how you change and get better and move forward. And that is what we are supposed to do as human beings. And so when I stopped viewing those things as a failure yeah. and just more as an opportunity, mm-hmm. I find them a lot nicer to myself and everyone around me. Oh, oh yeah. Those bumps in the road, my friends, they are seriously pieces of a puzzle that are going to help you create a beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. And getting to that beautiful picture is a lot of work. Well, we're piecing it together. Yep. Of like 5,000 pieces, I think we're at like 3,500. I'm starting to see it. You may be further ahead than I am. Well, he's older. I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to see it all come together. There was a quote we wanted to share from David O. McKay. um, And they were talking, it's a quote about failure. And it was mentioned as a a response to a question about. Back up. Yeah. Okay. The actual quote. Yeah. I mean, I don't have this in writing, but I know it. And I know you guys know it. But Mm -hmm. it's, I I don't, I don't actually see it. It's no success. Yeah. No no success. Outside of the home, or no success in life can compensate for failure in the home, and and I yeah go where you were going, but this is literally what I was going to interject with about seventy five minutes ago when oh. I said I had a point. I <laughs> read. I think we're not we're talking too much and no. not letting her speak. No, I knew this was going to be one where I didn't get to chime in. We may be having the same thought, but I'll go ahead and share it. Anyway yeah, go for it. I I know we, we all feel the same way, but um, we we recently had a kind of a a shift in our perspective Mm -hmm. on this because someone was speaking about that actual quote and Mm -hmm. said that when David O. McKay initially shared it, um, that somebody actually asked him what constitutes his failure. Right. And he didn't even have to think twice. He answered it straight away. And Mm -hmm. he said, failure is when you stop trying, when you as a parent or a grandparent, when you stop trying and what a, what a shift Totally. A paradigm shift, a shift in how we think about ourselves. So I love that we're having this conversation about failure. Mm-hmm. I love the word is an interesting word and it's controversial and people have different ways of describing it and defining right. it. But at the end of the day, I agree wholeheartedly with what David O. McKay said. We as adults, now I'm not talking about the kids because their own feelings of failure is, I mean, in this context, mm-hmm. that's a whole different thing. Um, but our feelings of failure and our perception of when we fail Mm -hmm. as adults, specifically as parents or teachers or caregivers or grandparents, anyone who's looking after children, um, it needs to shift and we need to recognize that when we are picking up ourselves and trying again Mm -hmm. and learning from it and viewing an experience as another piece of the puzzle or something else to solve or something else else that helps us to move forward. Yeah. Those are not just opportunities, but those are, those should absolutely not be regarded as failure mm-hmm. because if we're trying again, we are not failing. I, is that what you were going to say? I absolutely. And I'm so glad that you <laughs> had that same thing because it totally was a little bit of a shift for me. Yeah. And, um, it is so nice to hear from anyone that I'm not a failure mm-hmm. because as great as I think I am, I still have that little voice in my head. Sometimes it tells me, you know, that I'm failing at stuff. And I'm sure you guys all have that voice too. 
I also shared this quote with Jameson. Um, we were ta- having some challenges with homework around the 5 p.m. hour in our home, which we've talked about before. And I shared it with him. And I said, Jameson, failure is just when you don't try anymore. And it resonated with him. That's awesome. It resonated with him as well. That's so cool. It really, it, it was a good experience. And um, man, what a good topic. I could literally talk about this all day long. But I'm so thankful for the people that I have in my life um, that I've been able to to talk to about this. Because you guys give me awesome ideas that I don't think of and perspective sometimes when I'm too close to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take a step back and have that perspective. And what's been discussed also is so broadly, I mean, like you said at the earlier part of the show, this isn't about ADHD per se. Mm-hmm. This doesn't have to be about um, a or child really that about has, challenges at all, right? right. Yes, because it's yeah. not just you know children who may be developmentally different than other children or anything like that. There's so much that we've talked about that you I've just been spectating really <laughs> that you guys have talked about that's applicable in so many different areas of life. And I, you've got to share one more thought that I know I know yeah. that you. This was a big weekend for us. Yeah, it, it was really a big was. weekend. We had a lot of really good meetings from very wise people who shared just inspired things that touched my heart. And so what we're talking about, there's one other quote and we're going to kind of leave you with this, but one other quote that I heard this weekend, and it is a quote from Lynn G Robbins. And he said something and you know, when someone says something to you and it kind of like pierces you a little bit, Yes, this is one that like, I know I need to make wallpaper out of and put it in my, (laughs) like somewhere in my home because just such a great thought. And he said, when your life seems like it's falling apart, oftentimes the pieces are falling into place. Yeah. Such a simple thing. Yeah. But it truth. seriously struck me to my heart. Mm-hmm. And I think when we're in the middle of something hard, it's hard, It's difficult to have that perspective. It mm-hmm. is. It's, it's difficult to see mm-hmm. that things are falling into place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we just have to trust. But looking back, when I look back on things in my life that I thought, why in the world is this happening? Right. I, it's very clear to me that that thing that I questioned at that time Mm -hmm. literally was a piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Like, although it seemed like a really annoying thing, it actually was pointy and painful piece with brown colors. Exactly. (laughs) But they were important brown colors. (laughs) They were important. Yeah. No, but, but actually those frustrating situations were actually part of a bigger miracle. Totally. Mm -hmm way too many times in my life to deny that possibility moving forward. Yeah. So that quote also really resonated with me. That I just, is, Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead, I just, I just, when you said that, I'm like, that is what faith is. Mm-hmm. And I know that everyone has a different belief system. I'm not talking about a religion based comment here. I'm just saying that it, believing and understanding that everything really plays out in a way that is meaningful. If you allow it right. to be, mm-hmm. and if you're intentional about, viewing your life as learning experiences that are coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it changes your perspective even when you are in the thick yeah, of those it really difficult does. things. I want to end just with saying to you two beautiful ladies, thank you. Because something that you have given really all my children, but in particular my Jameson, is that Taylor and I tell Jameson he is amazing, he's worthy, he's special. We love him, we adore him. 
all the time. He knows that. But when he hears that he is worthy and enough and he is loved from people and adults other Mm -hmm. than Taylor and I, it makes such a bigger impact. Yeah, it does. Such a bigger impact. And you two and a lot of our friends particularly have helped my little buddy to know that he is loved. And so thank you. Thank you for loving my boy. Yeah, thank you. I called him a rock star last night because he was a rock star. He's been super helpful with a service project that we have, but I'm going to just add one more thing. One more thing. This applies to all children. It does. The way that anyone loves my child, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. pick one, doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter who it's coming from. Any trusted adult, any personal friend, any teacher, any church leader, Mm -hmm. any neighbor, any anyone who reaches out to my child in a way that makes them feel respected or adored or valued in any way, whether this has anything to do with um, special needs or not or whatever, it matters. It does. And every child needs to feel that from all of us. It is our responsibility and our obligation and our honor to honor our children. It is. And so that maybe is the actionable tip to take away for everybody is go out there and notice something in a child who is not yours and express it, right? Notice something and express it. If this is something we all could practice, Mm -hmm. man, our village of mamas that is Mm -hmm. a force for all things good in the world will just take over the earth. I love it. It would be amazing. So go do that. And by the way, if you have any thoughts about this episode, comments, stories, feedback, whatever, we would love to hear about them. Also, if you would like to get a hold of Heidi, who is a wealth of information about all things of all the things of all of all the everything (laughs) and pretty fantastic and attractive might i add you can email podcast at beckyhiggins.com we will make sure she gets it and i'm sure she would be happy to respond also if you um know somebody that could benefit from the conversation that's just taken place share this episode please share it so that they can benefit from listening to what has been shared and talked about um, we do want to thank also our sponsor, Bath Pack. Um, we're super grateful every episode to have somebody who is in support of the show mm-hmm. to make it possible so that we can have these really important conversations with you guys. So thank you to Bath Pack. Make sure you visit bathpack.us and enter the code Becky10 to save your 10%. And we will see you guys. Nope, we won't. We will hear you. Uh, we will feel your presence, <laughs> love, and we will talk. Through your device, or re- this is a not a succinct ending. <laughs> We're not gonna, but we we'll will see you on the flippity flop. How we about will. that? And we love you, and we, we hope love you guys. We feel our love and our support of you doing everything that you can to cultivate a good life. Take care, guys. How was that? That was, if you could do that a little louder. (laughs) So I went to the drive-thru. Yeah, how was that? Well, it actually was amazing because I got here, I got there with 10 minutes before I needed to be here. That's amazing. And they got me in and out in five minutes. And McDonald's knows what that is. There could have been a small snafu.
when I requested that on the sausage McMuffin with egg, she sub out bacon. She wasn't sure if that was going to fit into the two for four. <laughs> Listen, but I she's just starting her. out. She's a girl just starting out in the world, not knowing her limits, not and knowing possibilities. You know what? I gave her a gift. I you assured did. her that What'd at the McDonald's, do? the 67th Avenue, although I know it's under different management, <laughs> they do it for me all the time. Do you know McDonald's <laughs> has a university? Like when you buy a franchise, you have to go to this thing called <clears throat> McDonald's University. Sense. I'm so tempted to start the whole episode over, but I won't. Instead. <laughs> well, now you have to. No. What in the world? <laughs> do we? Yes, you totally have to. Oh my gosh. I don't know what was so off. <laughs>